Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. And yes, I just said audio and video. It's been a long time, John, since you and I did video. I now have kind of a much more professional, almost in-home studio here because I do four other podcasts now in my professional life in the healthcare industry. So we're back. But we're back with video. So if you're listening to this podcast, uh, hopefully pretty soon, these are going to start populating back up on the YouTube channel. And so, uh, you know, John is, well, you're looking dapper, young man. You, you, I know during COVID, I got this big old beard. Uh, you were getting pretty scruffy too. Just saying we would still, oh, the shirt. See anybody. <laughs> The podcast is going to be driving this business over to YouTube, right then and there. The shirt that John just flashed. Can you stand up again for everybody? Right, sure. Right here. Oh. Right here. Check it out. These guys right here. These are the K- guys. KG, Paul Pierce, Golden Balls. I mean, right there. <laughs> golden Balls. <laughs> Listening, Golden Balls. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Glistening. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I do miss those days. I think we went back and forth on Twitter about a week ago. I don't, we haven't done the podcast in couple a weeks. month. No, no, no. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. There's definitely no Schroeder and no Marcus Smart extension yeah. the last time we talked. Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, we, we are kind of new. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. That's a, that's a good point, but. Big press conference today, the day we're recording. So, mm-hmm. uh, pretty interesting updates that we, that we got from Brad Stevens. And the last time we said, oh, I'm just having a really hard time getting excited for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, no big splashes. And then it was all about the cap <laughs> space. And now the cap space isn't there anymore, which is really that first move of extending smart. I'm happy about it, but it is not the move I expected given where we were at and what we were being told. And then they didn't want to sign Fournier, but now they're being told they can go into the luxury tax. And then mm. they salvage a bunch of these traded player exceptions. And, I mean, it's really a completely different landscape mm-hmm. than the one we thought we were talking about yeah. the last yeah. time we came together. I, I think it's it's proof of a, of a couple things, right? Uh, on the one hand, uh, nobody knows anything, Right. I mean, everyone, this is what their plan is going forward. And a lot of, I mean, I don't know how much reporting was going into that or what was happening, but there certainly was a difference between what we were being told <laughs> and where we stand today. Now, the Schroeder thing, I don't think anyone could have foreseen that, that at the start of free agency, that's where this was going. But regardless, you had to think that that the idea of potentially extending smart was on the table. You had to think that they expected to be not only an above the cap team, but also a team above the tax. So, you know, it's just proof that that Brad Stevens is going to operate in a very different way than than Danny Ainge, who would clearly do things that are unexpected, but really was such a 
Um, I think Danny, Danny liked to somewhat telegraph where he was going in some respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, he liked to tell people. And use it. Yeah. And use yeah. it. Yeah. Brad just goes radio silent. And then like all of a sudden, Oh, Josh Richardson is a member of the Celtics now. And, and we were able to get off the, uh, the Tristan Thompson contract by taking back, you know, you know, Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando. That's not bad considering a lot of people were saying they'd have to dump a pick to get rid of him. Uh, you know, Rich Levine made a great point on the, on the winning plays pod today. He's like, look, if we had told us at that point that it would look like this now, we would have been overjoyed because we expected we were going to take multiple picks to get rid of Tristan Thompson right. and Kemba Walker. And now it's one number one pick, which no doubt is not an insignificant amount. But you look back and you say, well, okay, there's there's flexibility, there's a future, and the team is signaling that they want to spend money. Well, not only are they signaling that they want to spend money, but they maintain the flexibility to spend it and still have a bunch of it come off at yep. the end of this year, they can spend it in a way that allows them to put together an expensive but highly competitive team if they make the moves with the traded player exceptions before the season is done. But then they can still shed a ton of salary at the end of this year if they were to go get somebody. And I think the biggest thing is those traded player exceptions total nearly $30 million. You've got 11 and what, 18? So that's $29 million right there. If you use them with picks to go get players that you then want to package to make a move for like a Bradley Beal, that's not that hard to do, right? Because the traded player exception, yeah, you can't use that to go get Bradley Beal, but you can use it to go get salary and put those salaries together. And guess what? All the players that are kind of building the score, like, you know, maybe Josh Richardson gets put into that move because of a log jam at that position, mm-hmm. but that's what gets you to that max contract extension for Bradley Beal or his current agreement, depending. I mean, I guess they wouldn't necessarily do an extension midseason, so it would be his current deal. But either way, mm-hmm. it gets the money to work without changing the entire dynamics of the roster and the bench that they're putting together. So I'm seeing this in a new light, but I'll also tell you, I don't think this is the light that even the team thought it was in when we talked. I think the Schroeder thing changed the game. I think they wanted to get those traded player exceptions and have that flexibility, but I don't think that they actually thought, no matter the fact that Brad said today, like Danny, I don't want to put a ceiling on this. But despite that, I don't think that they thought that they would be in as much of a running for potentially going after a championship if they were to spend that money this year. Right. They might have even been packaging more to get players to use in, you know, sign in trades at the end of the year to go get somebody like Bradley Beal. But and and I'm not a huge I've never been a huge shorter fan. You want to know why? Because it's a pain in our ass. An absolute pain in our ass. Right. And then it's like one of those things. And it kind of clicked for me because I was like, eh, you know, but then for those dollars and, yeah. and honestly, Marcus Smart's a bargain. But speaking of pain in the asses, there isn't anybody around the league who doesn't look at Marcus Smart the way we used to look at Dennis Schroeder. And then it was kind of clear to me. I'm like, well, I'm not saying we're getting another Marcus Smart, but maybe I need to look at it a little bit differently in the fact that everybody is like, Marcus Smart, I hate that guy, unless you're a Boston Celtics fan. I, yeah, or a, coach. I, or a coach or a player, but I mean, fan base wise. Right. No, no, no. I, I get, I get your point. I mean, 
I think you look at the team last year, they were a team relatively devoid of, I don't know, uh, energy. I want to say energy, yes. I mean, I think you could point to COVID, you could point to the, the schedule and all that, but a passion. They were lacking passion, I thought. An identity. I, yeah. Well, I, but identity, you can even say like style of play. And I totally agree with you. There yeah. was no identity, but they lacked any sort of defensive effort. Yeah. But I, <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is, is that there, you didn't have people, you didn't have personalities who were driving the conversation. You know, you had, you know, smart, but smart is one guy and you can't just have smart being smart. And it just kind of says, well, he's the weirdo and everyone else is, the, you know, kind of does their stays in their own lane. You need multiple people who are pushing and pulling. Um, I mean, look at, look at Milwaukee, right? I mean, they ended the end of the year with PJ Tucker and a Portis and, and those, those, <laughs> those two personalities, um, you know, they're somewhat combustible, but it works. And, and they made it happen at the end. And, and I'm not saying that the relative value of Schroeder and Smart versus those two, that's not really even the point of how good they are. It's the point of you need, sometimes you need instigation. You yeah. need somebody who's going to get up in a guy's face, who's going to pressure the ball, who's going to do the things. That and it make shouldn't have to be Smart's job all the time right. because Smart comes unraveled and he had a rough season in general, even with really his did. own play and his yep. own identity and, Yep. His own, you know, I think he lost, I don't want to say he lost his way, but certainly from the outside looking in, it wasn't the Marcus Smart that we had come accustomed to. But I think some of that was just frustration, you know, with the awkward lineups and the disjointedness and I'm giving this effort, but nobody else is. And there's also no results for that effort. And so I do think it helps for him to have somebody else, as you mentioned, who's got a little bit of fire in their belly, who's going to go out there and instigate with him that he's not going to, I don't think he has a problem doing it night in and night out. I just think he has a problem doing it alone night in and night out. Just think about the Jay Crowder days. I mean, that's really what, what a those days and even Isaiah Thomas, but for, you know, not the same kind of player, not the same kind of instigator, but definitely an alpha dog that season, the way that they ignited smart. I thought he had some of his best years, with that crew around, you know, in so many ways. And so, um, I think it's, I think it's going to be good for him to have that. Um, I think it's good that the team's a little bit older. I, I think it's good that there's some ball movement and balance in that big man rotation. And they still have this flexibility to, you know, match up with small lineups, go a little bit bigger with Ennis Canner. And they really only have, well, they've got probably, I think, four definite starters. Uh, you know, man, it's five. It's really five, isn't it? I mean, most nights it's going to be Horford, Brown, Tatum, Schroeder, Smart. Don't you think? No, you see, you you want to go with the Josh Richardson. You want to go Neesmith. Smith, Time Lord, Time oh, Lord, yeah, Time Lord is uh, he, Rob Williams is is the guy. I think. I think, I think that, he should be, but is he going to be healthy enough? I guess you're right. I think, I'm with well, you. Well, that's it. I mean, but the, we have questions about Horford. We have questions about about Rob Williams. We, you know, I think that that's that's the reason I guess you bring in a guy like um, like Ennis Cantor, you know, to have that size. It's probably a reason you don't cut loose Bruno Fernando. 
Um, and then, of course, you got Grant Williams. So there's five guys that could be, you know, splitting the center spot at some point in time or another. Um, you know, if I had more help, more faith in the health of particularly the top two, I would love to have that down to three. I mean, look at the teams that yeah. were running, what they're running for centers in the playoffs. It, no, they aren't running seven footers out there. They're not running five, six, ten guys. They're running big six, eight guys who can rebound and defend the rim a little bit. That's really all it is in the playoffs now, unless you have a guy who's at the top of the top of the list. So, um, that's, you know, you need somebody who can defend Giannis in that, in that situation. That's basically where you're at at this point. And I'm not even saying on the perimeter, but at least, you know, be able to rebound and, and, and keep him away from the rim, um, the second chance points. That's, that's what they need. So it's a little heavy in terms of evidence on that side of it. I'd love to see them have more of a 3-4. That's really the only disappointing factor, I guess, as I'm kind of, walking away from this postseason or this off season is that they never really addressed that issue. We, they walked away from Shemi Ojale, which I think was the right move. Yeah. But really the only guy you have who's like a legitimate, you look at him and say, okay, that's a power forward is Grant Williams. Yeah. And even then he's six, five. So is he, and then he's not that perfect, you know, kind of switchable three, four guy uh, that, that I think the team needs, but, Hey, look. Um, but you mean off the bench? You're not leaving Tatum out of that on purpose. Well, yeah, but uh, sort of. I mean, I would like them to have, in an ideal world, to me, Tatum is three, Brown is Brown is two. two. Yeah, I've been saying that. Smart, forever. I guess, is the is the is the is the uh, the point guard. Rob Williams is your center, and you have a three and D power forward um, who can guard the other team's best, you know, best wings. Mm-hmm. That way it's not putting so much on Brown and Tatum. That's really what it comes down to to me. And I love the length. The I love the length. Away from those two guys. Totally. And the length and the size of that lineup, even on yeah. the offense, like the matchups, nightmares. They've just run small for so many years. Yeah. Um, and that's not – you're right. This year that's not going to happen unless they make a move. No. Or, I mean, in some ways they could do the Horford-Rob Williams and do what you're talking about. But – it sounds like they're committing to giving Marcus Smart all the ball handling kind of duties to set up the offense. Mm-hmm. He has to grow in that area. Just in, I mean, because he has the ability to grow in that area. He has to just get the assignment. He has to grow like this is yours. Now you have to do it kind of growth. I'm not yeah. sharing it with Kemba Walker, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even to some extent they get that with Schroeder, but I think that Schroeder gives you enough on both sides of the ball that he can play shooting guard. And and he's got to know that what he's doing this season, despite playing for a contract, that he can't be a featured part of the offense in terms of holding the ball and trying to score 30 a night or 25 a night. He's got to be that piece that opens up everything for Tatum and Brown because, number one, they just not have had anybody that can slash and get inside like that. And that, between him and Rob – it could be magic because if Rob mm-hmm. comes out to the top and the way he moves and keeps the move, the ball moving and the way Schroeder can attack. And then if he kicks it out to the corner and the ball starts swinging, that is the shit that you and I were complaining that did not happen last yeah. year yeah. through the whole season. Where's the ball moving? How come they never get the ball to the weak side? What is going on? Mm-hmm. And I think whether it's Rob or Horford, honestly, there's enough inside out. But then somebody like Schroeder can get to the paint as a true threat yeah. without 
I mean, it wore Tatum down, especially during COVID. He just stopped doing it. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And then Brown had to do it. And it was too one-dimensional for those two guys. They need to be outside, and they need to be the second point of slashing and attack. Or they need to be the ones that are just open already out there. But it's not a lazy – it doesn't look like a lazy offense when they're just out on the perimeter shooting. It's because the ball found them, and how the hell did somebody leave them open? Yeah. No, I I think that's so true. I mean, the inability for this team to create someone in the paint that can that whether it's you're in the post and you're and you're kicking out or you're high post and you're rotating over, it just it was not happening with that team last year. It was around the perimeter, around the perimeter, around the perimeter, over and over and over we go, uh, and and not really in the paint and then out to the corner or, um, you know, into the paint and then foul line extended on the opposite side. I mean, it was just it, it was. It was, it was all a, perimeter. It was, a, it was all perimeter all the time. And, and I, I think that that's really, um, I'm glad that they're focused on the defense. Um, that was their worst component of last year. As, as, as frustrating as the offense was, they actually were a top 10 offense. Um, but the inability to, I think, take the most out of having two 20, 25, almost 30 point scorers and make the most out of them. And make people pay, uh, you know, we can talk about how they were, who they were playing with and how, how bad those players were. All true. But the inability for other players or anybody to get in the middle of the paint and create for somebody else. That's why, you know, while smart, a lot of that's going to be put on his shoulders, the bulk of it is still on the, on the backs of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're going to still have the ball in their hands as much as last year, if not more. The difference is, how are they going to adjust and, and augment their games to take a greater advantage of the fact that Josh Richardson is, is over there and he's, he's a huge threat to drive and slash the hoop. And, and, you know, same goes for, for Schroeder. They'll have more space from them. They won't have, they won't have as much space as they might have because those guys aren't knocked down shooters, but you know, Neesmith takes a leap. We saw what Pritchard was doing in summer league. I mean, that's when I think what will happen. I think that's what's going to happen with this bench is Ime Udoka has options, right? If he needs slashing, if he needs, you know, someone to get in the middle of the paint and create, he's got Schroeder. If he needs deep shooting, he's got Pritchard. You know, if he wants to go big, he can go smart Brown, Tatum, you know, Grant and uh, energy infusion and, yeah. and three point shooting. You've got Neesmith. He's got, he's got like all these different places that he can go. With this roster, um, now they've just got to be reliable. And I don't think it was as defined last year. I felt like last year's roster going into the season was kind of ill-defined in some ways, even though it was that group largely the same group minus Gordon Hayward um, and minus Ennis Cantor, but not really. He wasn't really a big player of that. Um, I think that 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 shift and the start of last season, they really didn't have a good. They didn't really – it's surprising given how much time they went without Gordon Hayward, but that absence and what he brought was a big part of what that team missed last season mm-hmm. um, in, in that passing and, and defense and, and, and all that goes with it. Um, so, yeah, it's the Schroeder signing adds one piece. The Richardson piece, the trade adds part to it. We haven't even talked about Chris Dunn. 
what does that mean? Um, you know, I, I, I think he's, I think there's a role for him here. I really do. I think that there's a, there's a place. The problem is there's so many guards, you know, relatively small guards. He's six four. He, you know, I think he can guard up. I think he can guard shooting guards. I think Chris Dunn's minutes are limited because his length of stay with the team is limited. I think he's injury insurance. I think they would much rather play Pritchard because. Yeah. You know, he's on an affordable contract. They're going to have him for a few years. Um, I think, you know, I don't think Chris is long. I mean, he might be, you know, he might, he might serve well. There might be an injury. There might be a trade. You never know. And then all of a sudden he fits in great, but I really don't think in an ideal world, the Celtics got Chris Dunn to play significant minutes. No, they got him as insurance. And so, you know, barring. Barring injury to Pritchard, Schroeder, or Smart, I think, you know, limited time there. But if you look at the guard depth last year, when Kemba was out, it got pretty ugly pretty mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. You know, they just did not have the depth that they needed. Um, and, and Smart, obviously, when Tatum was out or Brown was out, he had to play up into that position, which made them further leaner. And then you would see the Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters Time and good for Tremont for, you know, just kind of taking control of his own destiny and getting after it. You know, I, I know ill will there. It's a spark plug, fun player, good attitude and uh, just no spot for him. And quite frankly, there's no spot for Carson Edwards either. I mean, no. he did nice in no. the summer league, but that, that run is also going to be over. And, uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, you're right. There's just, there's all kinds of these different pieces that fit, but, Honestly, if they do make a move and use any of those traded player exceptions during the season, there could be a lot more depth. There could be subsequent mm-hmm. moves as a result of that. It's going to be very interesting to see how the roster shapes out. But the bench has an incredible amount of competitive fire and spirit, and I think that's what's going to – I think practices and actually having practices and a normal <laughs> schedule this year is going to do wonders, you know, for some of that – performance of the bench unit and that attitude and that chemistry because there's guys that want minutes and there's vets who know how to get those minutes and keep the rookies from having them and how to push them and like just that culture piece really right i i think there is a shot here i'm definitely more optimistic than i was on the last show that's for sure well and and i mean think about i mean we we talked about this i don't know if it was the last show the show before you know the foundation of this team, the last few years, you know, what Danny has tried to do is tried to, he didn't use the draft picks for trade. So he was relying on draft picks to develop as low cost, you know, potential rolls of the dice for Brad to be able to cash in. So he had high value, um, you know, bench pieces who could support, you know, the, the larger, you know, situation. So whether it's, you know, they had vets in the starting lineup, whether it's Horford or it's Kemba or it's, it's Hayward. There wasn't a lot that was supposed to be on the backs of those young players. But when, when the talent drained at the top end of the roster with Horford leaving, Kyrie leaving, you know, and on and on and we go, um, last year was really the, the fact of you have a whole bunch of guys that weren't ready or never will be ready, you know, and there was nothing in between. <laughs> it was really the worst possible situation. And I'm not going to make excuses for Danny in that he should have 
done more last year. I understand why he was trying, they were trying to use that opportunity to give, you know, a Neesmith or Pritchard or whatever opportunity to, to do stuff. And, and, and Pritchard was able to, but in a season, it was like the worst possible scenario. You don't have any trade. You don't have, I mean, me, you don't have any, any practice. You don't have a summer league. You don't have any sort of, you know, preseason to speak of. So for Pritchard and Neesmith, like last year was what you got out of them was gravy, frankly. You, yeah. The fact you got anything out of any of them, is remarkable. Um, it had a lot you know. to do with necessity. Without the necessity, you wouldn't have. They right. wouldn't have seen the light of day. Right, right. But now you now you know. You, I mean, Neesmith had a great summer league. Pritchard had a great summer league. I think you've got players who can do something. Now, what they can do and how. When you say great summer will, league, are you talking about pro am? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that's I really think Pritchard had a pretty hell of a pro am. He say sure that. did. He sure did, yeah. But but those guys, you take those guys. Okay, now you, you got something there. And if if things the roles were reversed and this was them going into their their rookie years, I don't know how this season turns out. If things were you know moved around and and what we saw there was a, a regular off season and there's practices, maybe you get more out of Peyton Pritchard and, and Aaron Neesmith in their rookie year uh, than you did, but. Either way, here we are. This is what we're at. Um, What's media day? How close are we? We're like six weeks away, if that. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking less than that. Mm. I I was thinking media day is in September. It is. End of September. End of September, first week of October, something like that. So, actually, the first game – actually, it might be even sooner because the first game is – although they shortened the the preseason, so I'm not sure. But – yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're, you know, five weeks away or so. Uh, and so we're, we're not that far off from, from actually seeing real live basketball again, thank God. Um, but it, it's, I, I don't think that the Celtics are, I think those young players have, uh, have shown that they can do something and can be productive bench pieces and productive role players for the team. You can almost see, to a greater degree, at least particularly with Pritchard and, and Neesmith, what value they can provide this roster and how this roster is organized. The Romeo and Grant situations are a little bit more difficult to, to pin down. That 2020 roster, it's uh, a 2020 fringe. draft. It's tough. a fringe. It's a fringe. It's, you know, I was expecting a little bit more out of Romeo. I mean, again, this is really the first real summer league for Romeo. This is he's going to his third season. It's, you know, uh, and I don't, you know, he, he obviously had the wrist issue the first year, then he had, was it the thumb last year? Then obviously you've got, I mean, and he got injured in the, in the, in the game there the other night. I mean, this is, this is, um, it, it doesn't look good for Rome. And, and I, the thing is, I think he has, I think he can do some stuff. He clearly has shown he can defend. He's clearly shown that, that he. And his athleticism, that dunk. Right. I mean, like, right. he's like way up there, man. Right. But he's, you gotta be healthy enough to be able to figure out what you have. And he hasn't been able to do that. And it's just, it's unfortunate, but there's not much you can really do about that. Um, but Neesmith, if he hasn't already passed him on the roster, he, he will be by, you know, October. Um, 
they could use both of them though. That's the, that's the funny thing about this. They really do need both of those guys to hit, uh, because being able to trade Romeo and not having to trade Neesmith allows you to, to use, you know, do you want to have to use both of them? You need wing depth. I mean, that's the one thing we saw over last season is when you don't have wing depth, you, you really aren't able to compete in the NBA in 2000, the 2020s. Um, you know, the double big lineups and that nonsense that we had to run out there to start last year. That's, that's like, you know, buggy whip stuff. Like you're, that's not who the league is. And so if you're going to try to, to run a, uh, any sort of reasonable offense, unless, you, unless one of those bigs is Anthony Davis, <laughs> you're, you're not really, or, or Giannis. Uh, you, you're not really running anything that's going to win on a consistent basis in the NBA. You just, you can't do it. So, uh, training camps open September 28th mm-hmm. and then opening night for the NBA is, is October 19th. Okay. That is way earlier. So they, you know, what they've been trying to do for the last several years was space that schedule out. And I didn't ever feel like it was really great for the Celtics. That first season, they were supposedly spacing it out. I feel like there were tons of back-to-backs, especially during the grind, you know, part of the season at February, you know, late January, through the All-Star break in March. Wasn't there – just feel like they had a ton of back-to-backs during that stretch. That well, was that was of, that was the I, whole point, right? Was I, eliminating I, those. And I think that first year of that was the infamous Kyrie season too, right? So everything was painful and <laughs> difficult <laughs> to put. Through. Watching the games was difficult. Watching them not have any. I'm you just know, stricken it. I'm stricken it from the record. To yeah, be honest with you. I know. It's like, it's like the lost seasons, right? Like lost tapes of. Yep, nobody has those anymore. Nobody, you know, nothing to see here. I mean, even as bad as last season was, it was nothing like Kyrie's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, no, la- later, later. I, it was different, but it was it was not. Yeah, yeah, that was a. You that, know, it, last year was much more like the 2010 season than than the Kyrie season. The Kyrie season was off. Off-putting. It was upsetting. Last year was frustrating, underwhelming, you, and frustrating. Yeah, because yeah. you felt like there was so much they were capable of that they weren't able to show. Uh, but this year, you know, I think that Kyrie season it was just it had that same tinge, but there was something that was just off. And I, I yeah, and they couldn't really Kyrie. solve the roster construction issue this this past season either. Like mm-hmm. it was just. They just, they weren't really able to fix it. And, and Fortnite right. was supposed to help with that. It, but <laughs> were it but, not for him getting COVID, it might have. It might have yeah. been hard. You and, know? and if Jalen had been healthy, they might have put together a better, you know, postseason right. type of run. But, you know, we've been saying if that injury yeah. for a good long time now. And so, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, we're getting close to the end of the show. The one thing I do want to bring up is Terry Rose. Scary Terry getting. We really didn't talk about smart either, by the way. No, no, but that either. Well, I mean, mean, it's a bargain deal. 77 million, the extension, like the guy continues to do Boston right. I'm glad they're doing him. I don't even know if he had played hardball, they might have wanted all the cap space at the end of the year. They didn't know he was going to accept 
an extension that really isn't paying him crap. Yeah. You know, compare and, well, and and so what you said on Twitter tonight yeah. about Terry Rozier just got a raise of twenty five percent of Marcus's new salary, yeah. right? And right. so twenty five percent higher. So what, what people, you know, basically Terry's getting about a twenty something thousand, you know, pay raise per. I mean, five thousand a year pay raise per year Millions. Millions. over four. Yeah, right. <laughs> Talking to Art. Dude, remember, this is over. I gotta not, go soon. Not us. Those guys. Yeah. Five million. Yeah. yeah. Five yeah. million over yeah. four years. So it's getting about twenty over the duration yeah. of the contract. Yeah. You know, and Marcus is going to be making what about seventeen? Is that seventy-seven? Uh, 18, 18, 19. 18, 19. Yeah. But regardless, yeah. it's six million or five million difference, and he's is he? You know. 25% better player? I don't think so. No. I love Terry. I think it would have been great to keep him here. But, you know, Bernardoni said, like, right now, the, the, the guys on that 2019 or 2018 team are making $540 million combined. So, you know, you can't keep everybody. Right. <laughs> you know, and so the, the idea of, well, it would be great to have everybody, and it is, and it would, and you pick and choose who you can and who you can't afford. Um, and I think we've done well in that generally. Uh, you know, Rosier, but, good but on him. smarts, smarts, smarts helping the team over and over. Because Absolutely. He's consistently had an affordable contract yes. that has given them that same flexibility. So I just love it that it's smart Tatum and Brown going to be together for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've been waiting for that. They're, they're finally truly. You know, handing them the keys because as long as Kemba was there, you know, it's, that's another thing. It's like, gotta love Kemba, but the pieces never worked. And I don't know if it was just health. Mm. I, I think, I think there may just stylistically, you know, smart couldn't quite do what he needed to do. And Tatum and Brown had to share the ball. And I think the consistency of him in the lineup made it harder and they might have masked it. But even the liability on defense, as hard as he did play in the postseason, and you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Um, but you know, the size factor just continues to burn him. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see this. I'm really happy they're all together. And, you know, anybody who begrudges, you know, the Celtics for extending Marcus Smart is out of their minds. You, he's almost, I think if you look back four or five years, 20 million is like, close to a max contract it's crazy right Right, right. but you got to understand that this league just took a crazy wacky wild Mm -hmm. jump in salary so if you're making less than 20 million you're you're kind of a top line role player these days at that salary mid-level so you yeah you're mid you Mm -hmm. you're paying marcus smart um what he's worth with you know him coming into a certain time and responsibility with a team where he could once again far outperform the amount of millions that he's being paid as it relates to the rest of the league. And he, right. And, and so you, you end up with a guy who's making mid-level-ish. You got, you got, you know, Steph Curry out there making almost $50 million a year. And then, oh, by the way, what we haven't talked about is it's going to be another cap jump because things have, you know, they did the smoothing or whatever. Um, well, I don't, I don't, they did stuff to the cap so that way all of this terrible financial nonsense that everyone went through in the last year, we can somewhat make the cap work through all that. 
Um, I think there's one more year of it. And then the next year is a new TV deal. And when that happens, surely we're going to see the cap jump again. Now, I don't know if we'll see what we saw, you know, back in the Kevin Durant year when, you know, the Warriors added, you know, the best player in the league or, or damn close to it. But, the, you know, the idea of, well, I don't know if we can afford all this, I think that that's going to take a whole different tinge here in, in two years, two or three. So 17, $18 million a year for a guy that's a mid-level player. When you just see Terry Rozier get 25, you know, a year, uh, spare me. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. You want to talk about whether or not it hurts your ability to trade for Bradley Beal? I don't think in the slightest because it was always going to be a sign and trade deal. Personally, that's just my feeling. That's and, kind of what I thought too. And and looking at the fact that cap space isn't available elsewhere for next summer, the only way he's going to really leave is in a sign and trade anyway. So yeah. if that's the case, and all your other suitors apart from Washington are also going to be teams that are also um, over the cap or are unable to get under the cap. You're, you know, you're sitting pretty. You got his, his best friend. You got all these draft picks. Hopefully some of these young players star. And then you've got a chance to maybe look at him, maybe Zach Levine. I don't know, you know, but, but there's, there's going to be options out there for the Celtics. And don't forget, Zach Levine is a, is a, is a Drew Hanlon guy too. So I'm not saying that I'd, I'd quickly look from, you know, say, well, forget about Beal. Let's go to, let's go to uh, Zach Levine, but. You know, that's something to look at as well. Yeah. All right. I got to get on out of here. I got another podcast. I'm going to be recording in 10 minutes. So, uh, I think that's why somebody around there started calling me the pod father. It's nuts. (laughs) Uh, all right. That's it. That's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic stuff live on Twitter by following at CSL underscore tweet live. John is at CSL underscore Duke. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. And uh, you're going to find video on the YouTube channel. So definitely be checking that out over at the CLNS Media uh, YouTube pages. Uh, heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. We really would appreciate a rating and a review. You can definitely subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts as well as Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast application. And on behalf of the CLNS media founder, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. This is Celtic Stuff Live, and the season is right around the corner.